Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we have a lot of stuff to cover, so I'm going to dive in. But we are uh, we are Ember Weekend, and uh, we're here to talk about newsy stuff, and uh, more particularly, uh, some add-ons and an RFC, a particularly interesting RFC. So uh, let's dive in. So yeah, this RFC was uh, brought up by Tom Dale uh, last week, so I guess that was last Saturday. Um, it's yeah, uh, right after right after we recorded last week, by the way, which is really frustrating because uh, you know, yeah. like Could, as soon as as soon as I started uh, like gathering all the audio stuff, it's like, oh yeah, here's an RFC. You should totally yeah. check it. If out. If everybody could please uh, time their RFCs to yeah, uh, let me just just reach out. I mean, that's all I'm asking for. Just a, you know, a little text message, a little texty text, no big deal. Yeah, so it's RFC uh, 176. It's JavaScript module API. Um, basically, this is about kind of restructuring how Ember's modules are loaded. Um, if you've been uh, kind of tracking the uh, kind of, uh, what is it, Ember CLI Shims uh, does this, where it's, rather than pulling things off of Ember, you pull them off of the module that they are defined in, kind of. Uh, the example of this uh, that's used a lot is uh, Git and Set, uh, where, the, where they're pulled off of, uh, I think, Ember Metal. Um, Ember Data has a similar thing where you can pull has many and belongs to off of uh, you know nested modules rather than pulling them off of ds dot has many or ds dot uh, belongs to. Yeah, I always find that interesting. Like when you do that, uh, and then and then you like you're like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna pull off a set, and it's like uh, I think it's uh, metal. I want to say to get set and get, uh, and you like do it real fast, and you look up the Ember Shim repo. Uh, every single time I show somebody that, they're like, wait, the Shim repo? What's that? And I'm like, here you go. Here's a list, and you go and open the file, and it's a list of all the ways you can you can import things without uh, doing destructuring. Um, and I feel like that's just like kind of, it's not hidden knowledge. It's just like not, not very common, you know, uh, for people to, to reach for it. So, uh, so yeah, the shim stuff has been around for quite some time. Yeah. And, uh, Tom Dale goes into why we want to kind of go with that pattern, um, with, with a bunch of, uh, kind of established, uh, at least a path toward conventions, which is, which is great. Cause the idea is that it, um, not only is it, uh, more efficient for, for various, uh, reasons that we'll get into, um, it's just easier to, to, to get when you see it. Um, as long as they're nested in a sane way, uh, it's easier to remember that, you know, the things that I'm, I'm wanting to get are kind of nested in some uh, publicly defined, very easy to understand hierarchy of, oh, I get that off of Ember slash object or something, or I get that out of Ember slash data. Right. And, you know, some of the, some of the reasons that you might want to do this uh, outside of, uh the ease of use and maybe even the ease of uh, of learning for new learners. I feel like that's a that's a big point that Tom makes uh, in this RFC uh, that that it could be easier for beginners to understand, uh, especially when you don't have to say here's Ember, here is all of Ember, everything, all of it. Here's you know start start here. Instead, you can say okay, well you know here's a component, here's the file that is defined, and you can kind of see what it is, how it works uh, in an isolated way, uh, and then so on and so on. Um, so there's that there is that reason that. I feel like is um, it's it's an interesting cell. Uh, I don't know necessarily as a person who's been using Ember for a while. I don't know if that one really resonated with me um, because I'm not sure how it will play out. Um, but tree shaking is uh, the one of the other um, benefits of of this RFC. And uh, tree shaking or dead code removal is basically a way to ensure that only the modules that you require or import rather. Um, are actually available in the final payload, and that ensures that um, that your payload size, your end payload size, ends up being only the things you need because the imports and all of those things are static and an analyzable. Uh, so you can actually, at compile time, you can figure out 
you know, which ones need to be in the final payload. Um, and this is a promise that I remember when we first started doing Ember CLI back way back when uh, it was like zero three something, maybe even zero two something, uh, before it was even reached a stable release. Um, you and I were talking about this uh, as like the major one of the major cells of Ember CLI because it would facilitate that. And then I remember even at that point in time, you didn't even have to import Ember from Ember. Do you remember that? Um, yeah, well, you still, uh, Tom Deluxe mentions, you still don't actually have to do that. Um, the linter will blow up. Um, but right, it, right. But it was exposed. before, it was even before the linter. Yeah. And then they added the linter in and everyone's like, oh, why are we doing this? And I remember, I remember like years ago telling uh, one of our colleagues that, uh, that it's because of tree shaking. And I'm so happy to see that this is, you know, like starting to coalesce and, uh, and things are starting to, you know, be fleshed out, beginning to talk about what are the next steps to actually facilitate that, because I think it's a feature that will really push Ember into the into the next, you know, couple years um, as a as a really advanced framework. Yeah, and I actually ran into this case just a couple of days ago with a, a new Ember developer uh, doing uh, a tutorial in Ember data, um, and he was he was unsure why some tutorials or some guides use DS that has many and some used you know, uh, imports where they de uh, destructured into has many and belongs to. And he was like, what's the right way to do it? And I'm like, uh, you know, I, whatever way you want, like basically right now. Uh, and, you know, cause the other way I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily say that's the right way. Cause it actually is more verbose and it doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes when you see them. Cause if you said that's the right way, that means it's the right way for all of them. But some of them are weird, like Ember metal ones. What is Ember metal? And you know, how, like, why do I look in there? When, when do I know they look in there? Um, so definitely, I think going to help with beginners to one, just get to say, this is the way like, just do this, right. I'll follow this pattern and that's it. Definitely. I will say what, what I've been recommending people. And I think even when we were doing our training material, uh, a few months back, uh, I remember thinking like, it doesn't really matter if you destructure or you use the shim repo, uh, because the, as long as you're, as long as you're doing one of those two things, the bulk of your code will be referencing things like get instead of ember.get. So you will have to revisit the file if you want to reunify along one or the other, um, but uh, the bulk of the changes will happen at the very top of the file. So, and, and honestly, destructuring is easy enough to understand to where, you know, you're like, okay, well, I need get, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I feel like, and I'm not 100% certain of this, but it seems like this would be something that something like Ember Watson could probably help automate because, um, you know, destructuring is something that you could like maybe modify an AST to go and fetch things like, oh, you're destructuring get. I feel like that may, maybe that'd be really complicated. I don't know, but it seems uh, like it's doable. Well, in uh, actually in SRFC, uh, Tom Dale mentions there's already a tool called Ember Modules Code Mod uh, that will go through and arrange your your project uh, at, in this fashion. It doesn't work right now, obviously, because the it's you know this stuff isn't implemented. But it's it's the, similar to the way the module RFC would arrange your stuff into like the new modules um, rather than pods. Um, there's a way to already do that. So I think that once it once it's working, you should just be able to use the same tool to just get your app in, in you know in in order. Well, it still have to be something custom custom to to migrate. So like if you're migrating from the shim to this to this structure, uh, I feel like it'll be a really quick hop to get there. But if you're going from destructuring, I feel like it, that that is going to involve some sort of like AST rewrite. Well, it does. I, I think um, the code mod actually does do. I mean, it, oh. it knows the AST of JavaScript. Um, so, be, and the reason why I say it has to is when you see the table of things that uh, are being mapped from, uh, it can't just do an explicit match for that because you could be, you know, destructuring but pulling off the main thing, you know, so you get uh, a top level object, you know, or a class, comma, and then destructuring too. So it has to be doing it with an AST. 
Right. But right. yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's potentially some things that's missing, but at least it, it's in the, it's a step in the right direction of yeah, yeah. D- don't you don't want to go through and do this by hand. Yeah, I, and especially for large apps or long running apps, long lived apps, it's going to be yeah, it's gonna, that would that would be uh, a lot. I, I suspect that this will there will be automation tools to migrate forward, um, and then you get a lot of wins. Um, so some of the drawbacks we should definitely talk about a couple of those um, before we move on. Uh, one of them is that, uh, and this is this is a really great note. Um, I'm glad that the RFC sections have these these sections where it's like, oh, well, this is the stuff that has to happen for this to work. Uh, one of them is is that add-ons have to conform, otherwise you have to fall back to globals, otherwise the app will break. Um, so that means that there will have to be a considerable push on the add-on front to get everything uh, pushed over to this new style, uh, otherwise um, you, you'll have a lot of you know problems. This will be similar to the push. I want I want to say it's the push to to Glimmer two. Um, there were a lot of add-ons that wouldn't necessarily work, and there was a really concerted effort to try to help push all of them forward and people helping out other repos anytime you notice an add-on isn't in sync. You kind of go through it and see if you can't at least help in whatever way you can, maybe even just a bug report um, yeah. to push everything forward. Right, and, and one of the other things that was mentioned in this is that uh, there should be a setting uh, somewhere in the app where you can say, um, I want you to blow up if if you detect that I'm having to fall back to globals. I want you to blow up and tell me what what add-on is is causing that to happen, um, which will be amazing because yeah. then then you just you turn it on, run it, say, oh, this list of add-ons. I need to go either if I can remove them, I remove them. If I can help, you know, update them, I will. Um, and that that I think should help a lot. Totally, yeah. And I th- I think that that kind of push is something that Ember the Ember community is really. Um, uh, it's a it's kind of unique in that uh, that that is actually possible um, to actually try to unify all the people, um, where whereas I, I I don't I feel like it, it's definitely possible in other ecosystems. Not trash talking anybody, but um, yeah, I mean it's something that I've seen before happen in Ember where there's a concerted push on Ember's side, and then the ecosystem around Ember, including add-ons, is pushed forward. Um, by a bunch of different people instead of just each add-on uh, maintainer. And that's something I think we all need to strive to, you know, when we can help, we should help because add-on, add-on maintainership, is that a word? Maintainership? Yeah, it should be. It should be. Okay, well, anyways, add-on maintainership is is a, is a difficult job and often thankless. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, getting help there would be really good. Yeah, and then the, the last uh, drawback we're going to mention, there, there's a couple more if you read the RFC, but the last one um, that's definitely relevant is that... Uh, it makes use of, or this system makes use of this thing called uh, scoped packages, um, which NPM added support for like a year ago or something. Not many people use them other than maybe Angular 2. Um, but uh, when when Ember switches over to this, there will be uh, kind of compatibility issues with things like specifically I mentioned that Yarn doesn't work with them currently. It's also kind of like untested in the sense that it's like it's out there, but not really many people are using it. So uh, now with just basically Ember will be using it, hopefully, and Angular 2 using it, maybe it'll become more mainstream, but it's, right. it's always risky to tie yourself to a feature like this. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, so those are some of the drawbacks. Um, some of the advantages are, uh, just to kind of recap, uh, some tree shaking, so you get a smaller payload size. This is a huge, huge deal. It also means that you can use just the parts of Ember that you want to use, and it could make Ember feel less overwhelming for uh, new... Uh, new to Ember developers, uh, maybe make onboarding easier as well. Uh, so there's a lot of really cool things. Uh, it's a really exciting and also well thought out RFC. So I encourage you to go and read it. Uh, add some comments if you uh, if you can. Get involved in the discussion. Uh, it's uh, it's really um, it's a little long, but it's not 
longer than some of the RFCs that we've covered. Uh, so it's it's a pretty entertaining read. Uh, and you can get a, a beat on how to use this and maybe even start using the, the shim repo now to kind of get a feel for it and see how it works. Because um, there will likely be a really straightforward migration path. Uh, so yeah, I think it's uh, something to check out. And uh, the next thing I want to mention is um, an add-on uh, that was, I think, mentioned maybe a couple weeks ago, uh, started popping up, called Ember Lifeline. Um, and the interesting thing about this is there was a lot of discussion around um, how is this different from this other add-on called Ember Concurrency, which we've covered a few times. Um, and there was a, a real good kind of dialogue back and forth between uh, Robert Jackson, who made Ember Lifeline, and uh, Alex Machner, who made uh, uh, Ember Concurrency. And they're basically already talking about, you know, if if it may, if one of them makes it into core or becomes more useful, they should just merge their, you know, their behaviors. Uh, the only issue with uh, concurrency is it takes it makes use of some uh, features that um, have been argued to be like a little harder to learn and also uh, require uh, Ember to ship with some uh, polyfills that add to the payload size. Yeah, and I think I think honestly, like my understanding of this uh, of this back and forth between concurrency and Lifeline is that they're kind of two different things. Um, like concurrency comes with some primitives like tasks and like a perform uh, style. Like there there's there's structural changes you have to make to apps, uh, and sometimes especially in older apps or apps that are very 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 large, uh, it's not always possible to bring the things that concurrency gives without significant effort. Uh, whereas the whole goal of Ember Lifeline is to be kind of a drop-in replacement for run, uh, for Ember.run. So basically, you use this instead of Ember.run, and you get some, uh, if not all, of the of the benefits. Um, like certainly, there's not the the same kind of queuing stuff for concurrency. Like concurrency uses uh, generators and some other things that make it really, really robust and solve really, really complex problems very simply. Um, but this is something that gets you. A certain class of error, uh, specifically that that crops up in tests, uh, test environments, kind of just goes away. Instead of saying, "Hey, use Ember dot run dot later," use uh, this dot run uh, task. Um, and there's a, a few other things uh, like that. So I don't think these are necessarily add-ons that necessarily compete so much as they are solving different problems in different ways. Um, but there is some overlap. There's definitely some overlap, and I think that overlap is something that um, they're working on uh, to kind of talk back and forth about how it might work. And I think one of the things is right now when you install the Ember Lifeline add-on, uh, it just automatically mixes in or, or monkey patches basically um, the, the functions you need so that they're available on this. And that's because you need to tie in to the context a bunch of um, hooks and listeners and stuff like that to make sure things get properly destroyed when their objects are destroyed or listeners get turned off. Um, and uh, I think that there is a there's talk about um, about trying to make this a little more functional. So you can say, you know, import run task from Ember Lifeline. And then you would say run task and then pass in a context like this and then do your your normal run later stuff. Um, so there's there's a couple of different things that you can make this a little bit like like the future of it's kind of interesting. Um, but there's definitely some overlap here. And I think uh, there's a lot of talk about I actually think Alex and Robert are working together on Ember Lifeline to kind of work out and flesh out some stuff. There is an issue um, that I was told about that kind of talks about uh, some of the stuff that we'll link to uh, that talks about some of the back and forth uh, ideas around, you know, the direction of this project. But it's a super really, it's a, it's a super really, it's a super really, Chase, it's a super really. It, it's really a super. 
it's really a super. Uh, but it's a it's a really lightweight way to uh, ensure that when the life cycle of the object that started a a run or a listener or a, a set timeout rather, um, ostensibly a set timeout, uh, when that object, the parent object, dies, the turn the the timeout is uh, canceled. Um, so there's a there's a couple of different functions that it comes with out of the box, including like schedule once, run task. Uh, which is the standard run, debounce, um, throttle, those sort of things, um, and it's uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, it, it's README is really great. We're going to link to that and once again to that issue, um, talking about kind of the future of Ember Lifeline. But it's super cool. It's really neat. I I I think it's it's something that for big teams for big projects, it's one of those things that you might just start using and it will just make your life simpler. You start using run task instead of run for instance. And you've been running into problems with this uh, in testing uh, lately on the large app you work on, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, if I think this is definitely something that I think crops up more in testing than it does actually in, in user behavior, right. um, just because one, a user's never looking at the console. So when these when these exceptions happen, they kind of they don't they don't present themselves on the screen. Um, so you may not even notice that they happen. And they're, and they're really hard to reproduce because it requires you that you're uh, creating and destroying real fast while also entering input. Um, and so I think a lot of times this happens in like a modal or something shows and then you hit an X or hit save and it tries to like, the modal goes away, but then some asynchronous action performs and says, Hey, there's a validation error, render this thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's always comes up at a very specific place on Ember apps, right. um, but definitely hits you in testing. Like that's like number, number one thing that I, the place I see this, um, it's also really hard to debug in an older version of Ember because the old message for saying you tried to call set on an object already destroyed didn't tell you what object or what thing was trying to be set. So you're just like pulling your hair out trying to figure out where that's happening. Yeah, yeah. Which, it, I, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine that being a very fun uh, debugging experience. Yeah, and at, at the time I was, I was trying to figure out why, uh, uh, you know, because the object actually exists in memory. Um, I, was, I was trying to figure out why calling set wouldn't just check whether it was destroyed and say, well, I'm just going to ignore it. Maybe I'll log it, but I'm just going to ignore it. And there's probably some, one, a performance problem with that, um, but also it's kind of something you want to know about. Um, it probably has so, to do with like deallocating memory, right? I'd imagine like if a listener is still referencing a context, uh, you can't yeah, garbage collect maybe? Well, it's, it's basically, yeah, it, I, I'd imagine it's a memory leak, right? But it's, right. but it's also that you really want to know that it's happening. Because um, this, this obviously isn't, I mean, it's detaching uh, event listeners, um, but if you had to run once, that was fine anyway. Um, you know, like it, it didn't matter that, uh, the object was destroyed. Um, right. the run once was already doing the same thing, but with this, it's, it's like you're opting in saying, I know that it might happen and I'm okay with that. And here's how to deal with it. Um, whereas if you just monkey patched a uh, set or something, which is what I did to, to debug this older version of Ember, um, and then, you know, take it out later. Um, you know, if you just monkey patch it, you, you, it's going to happen regardless of whether you know about it or not. Right. Right. So yeah, this add-on is really cool. Definitely check it out. Um, we'll post to the the add-on uh, in the show notes. Uh, so check it out. Uh, it's super cool. Definitely worth investigating. Um, could solve um, a lot of a lot of standard-ish bugs. <laughs> so uh, so check it out. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. So thanks for uh, tuning in and listening all the way to the end. I feel like that's a joke that I have to make now. <laughs> Right. Put that in the show notes. What are you doing? Achievement unlocked. Listening to the end. Achievement unlocked. Yes. 
so uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it for for this week. Uh, I'm Jonathan Jackson, and I'm Chase McCarthy. And uh, you can fi- follow us on uh, Twitter at Ember Weekend, uh, all one word, uh, or you can follow our, our feed at uh, emberweekend.com/feed.xml. I remember it, I swear. Uh, and we will uh, we will see you next week. Yep. See you next weekend.